Welcome to the Self-Kindness with Pete podcast, a podcast dedicated to exploring how we become our very best in the world by being kind to ourselves. I'm Pete Sibley, the Self-Kindness Coach, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to another Self-Kindness with Pete. I am Pete Sibley and I am so excited to be putting out this podcast a week early. I had set it up to come out next week. Here it is. My guest is Alexander James. This is a conversation that goes to a lot of amazing places. We're talking healing. We're talking shame. We're talking paradigm shifts. We're talking money and receiving and abundance and healing trauma at the level of our nervous system. And we're really playing with what is possible through healing work, through self-kindness work, through the inner journey, and to live that out in the world. Whoa. But before we get into that, remember, how are you doing right now, my friend? Deep breath. Notice your thoughts. Come into that amazing body. And I'm so glad you're here. Thanks to those of you who scroll down and find the uh, rate button uh, for this podcast. It helps to get the word out. We're growing subscribers. We're getting uh, some reviews. And you're giving me feedback about questions that you have around self-kindness and things you want to know about self-kindness and where it can take you. At the end of this podcast, I will be introducing my brand new program, New Terrain of Self-Kindness, in the application just recently opened, so you can find that link in the show notes or over at Self-Kindness with Pete on, on Instagram. But my guest today is Alexander James. He is a delight of a human being, and he brands himself as the queer Carl Jung. He's one who is rebranding, branding, a pioneer of quantum healing, coaching, and helping you find the brand that lets you expand. His Instagram is delightful, it's shocking, it's valuable, it's informing, and it's uh, <laughs> it's so much fun. So let's jump in with my interview with Alexander James. And just a heads up for my friends, uh, parents out there who have little kids, uh, there is some cursing in this episode. Here we go. Alexander James, welcome to what we're calling a self-kindness with Pete podcast. And Yay! Hi. Hello. Sorry, I'm over here squealing already. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Holy cow. Um, I'm just curious. I mean, yeah. You're a joy even just to look at, and <laughs> and and I've been following you, um, and just I I feel like you get that a lot. So self kindness, it's like you're exuding it right now, the way that I I define it. But I'm curious. Let's hear Alexander's definition of self kindness. What does that mean to you? How do you live it into the world, and why do you think it's 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 worthy of chatting about today on on our on this little podcast. Mm. 
So here's the thing that I love about your work so much is I really like that you use the word kindness because mm-hmm. you'll hear a lot of people in the field and in the coaching world talking about self-love and so much of it to me, so much of the kind of current dialogue around self-love feels really fluffy, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like, oh yeah, it's like, you know, bubble baths and masturbation. And, you know, it's all like just this, like, whatever. It's like, okay, is that what we're like put, been put here to do is like take bubble baths? Like, is that what the work <laughs> looks like? Like, it's just, it, it's never connected with me. And for so much of my life, people would always be like, oh, your problem is just, you just need to love yourself. You just need to love yourself. And I was like, if one more person tells me I need to love myself, I'm going to strangle them. And then I'm going to strangle myself. Like it would just drive me insane. So the reason that I'm going into this little preamble about self-love versus self-kindness is because I think that self-kindness is the building block of Mm self-love. And for so many of us, self-love feels like either we already do, like that's where I was when people would have that conversation with me, like, but I do love myself. Like, what are you talking about? Like, clearly I love myself. And yet, you know, looking around my life, it was clear that I did not, but (laughs) I already believed that I was really loving with myself. But then like meeting your work and starting to interact with it and hearing self-kindness, it's like, oh, it, Mm. it makes it something tangible. It makes it something like, ah, was what I said to myself when I looked in the mirror this morning kind? Was what I said to myself when I knocked over that plant and spilled like dirt everywhere kind? Mm. It brings it down into this level of sort of humanity and intelligibility that for me, I feel like is the is the foundation of this work. So, you know, the question that we started with was, what is self-kindness to me or what does it mean to me? Self-kindness to me is the building block of Mm self-love and self-kindness ultimately. I want to pause here for a second because I really actually want to, to give an answer from my heart Mm -hmm. that feels really authentic. Self-kindness feels like gentleness. I love it. Yeah, an image early on when I started working with people and invited them, you know, to get still, what came was an image of two children playing with each other and one falls down and the other one goes over. doesn't try to say like, you know, get up, like it's gonna be okay. Or the other child just goes over and puts their arm on the shoulder of the one and just lets them cry, lets them hurt, lets them, and just is there with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's what I see when I hear you say gentle. It's like, and I didn't know how to do that for me. And that is why kindness worked. It, it's like, you were just speaking my story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, people would tell me and like i just kept watching myself internally it was it gets darker and darker and the story gets darker and darker and the self-attack and and people just said you know pete you just need to sweetheart like just learn love yourself man like you're such a great human being you're such a great guy like just love yourself and i had the same reaction i'm like i was so conflicted because i wanted to punch them 
And that was yeah. like the complete <laughs> opposite of who I was projecting into the world. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, no harm. Like, no Yeah, harm Mr. Team. Nice Guy. Yeah. So kindness. I just love that. That's where we jump in. It can go deep. It can go really deep. Um, because I, what I think, you know, speaking maybe a little bit to, to your work in your language is like, really, it's, it's a way to kind of get past that egoic, or maybe you, at one point you said something like the, the German shepherd that's, that's protecting. Mm-hmm. So in we go. In we go. Let me ask you this. I have a, I have something that I'm really curious to know about. I always think about with your work because what I find is that there can be in my business, I talk a lot about, you know, these things, self-love, kindness, being gentle with yourself, you know, really like allowing yourself to be proud of yourself. And I find that some people have a lot of resistance. They're like, eh, that's not really my problem. Or like, yeah, that seems really fluffy. Or like, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe you can just tell me what to do. I'm curious for you about like, what do you see as some of the the stories that come up for people around when they're interacting with your work that are some of like the first barriers? Because listen, the self-kindness work, like it's every single human being on the planet needs to coach with you. Like, it's Mm. so obvious Mm. and so clear to me that, like, this is the root of 99% of all of, you know, our personal problems, our societal problems, family problems, and problems globally begin with this inability to access this Mm. kindness for self and then others. So I'm like, okay, great. Everyone needs to be doing the work. But I'm so curious, like, from your vantage point, you know, with the way you brand yourself and, you know, with the way that you talk about the work you do, what do you feel like is the thing that blocks people sometimes from seeing that this is their work Mm. (laughs) oh man Uh, thank you thanks for the opportunity to explore that i think it's it's actually wrapped up in what we were just talking about Mm. like people want answers and you know kindness is so like it's associated with nice it's associated with you know like this kind of surf surface kind of gleam, you know, little, like it's a nicety. It doesn't mm-hmm. carry the weight of like, you know, a Tony Robbins who's like, we're gonna, you know, walk on fire. Damn it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hey everybody, we're going to be self-kind. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But I feel like I'm failing as a parent and my marriage is about to fall apart. Like, okay, but great. A little self-kindness is nice, but so I think like that is, that's the first. Second part is recently a client was saying like, they don't want to beat a dead horse. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to take a lens of kindness back on something that they like intentionally have moved, like want to move past. Like they want to, and, but my invitation self-kindness is like, yeah, like that person that pete that was attacking pete like he's got to come to the table like and that's why i love your work and so to like put it back into your court like you just are all about like every part has to come play but that's where we just begin Mm -hmm. yes i mean what you just said just resonated so deeply for me because um you said, that's just where we begin. And I was having a conversation. So I work with my program, the 16 keys of the subconscious mind. 
I work in a collective of healers, right? And we each have a specific modality that, or a specific healing that we work with, right? Whether it be like ancestral trauma or, you know, inner child work or hypnosis, inner voice facilitation, all that stuff. And so we were having a conversation as the collective, really thinking and reimagining what's possible in terms of healing. And somebody brought this idea that blew my mind, which was, what if healing is just the beginning? So many people have healing as like, that's the end goal of like, yeah. I'm going to do all this work and then I'll be healed. And then, you know, like, and that's like, as far as our imagination lets us go. And her invitation was for us to start imagining like from the vantage point of not just us being healed, but every person in the world being healed. Mm. First, we have to step into the belief that healing is possible. And that's, you know, an uphill battle for a lot of us, especially, you know, with kind of traditional methods and modalities and how we've been approaching mental health in, you know, the pharmaceutical realm. It's like, there's a lot of ways that we can improve things, but healing, like, can we heal PTSD? Can we heal anxiety though? Can we heal depression or can we just medicate it? And you know, I've taken medicines for depression and also anxiety, and um, they've been incredibly helpful to me throughout my life. So this this isn't to um, to downplay, you know, how effective and how life saving those medicines are. And yet, the conversation gets to be, but what if we could actually heal it? Mm. Like, what does that mean, and what does that look like? So, being invited invited us into is this idea of what if healing actually is possible? And what if we can hold that belief, not just for ourselves, but as a collective and for the world. And then from that new viewpoint, like once there's no more healing that needs to happen, what do we start creating as a collective? Yeah. Like what's possible then? Yeah. Like who knows? Hairs right? are just like. Totally. Yeah, it was, it was a question yeah. that blew me away. Cause it was like, oh my God, once there's justice, then what do we create? Once there's healing, then what do we create? Once mm. there's equality, like these are just the first steps to something that's so much bigger than I think what any of us can conceive of because of the parameters of the paradigms within which we've been born. Mm. And so when you said, you know, bringing all of you is just the beginning, I think whether it be your branding journey, whether it be your business, whether it be, you know, your self-kindness practice and learning how to bring all of your self-kindness, all of you to your self-kindness practice. It's just the beginning. Yeah. 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 Talk about that a little bit because I notice in me, like some of that work when that, when that lands, like it's a concept, right? We hear it in our mind, but something it, it hits us somewhere like me. I'm getting a, just a physical reaction to you saying that like the hair is just like on my whole body is suddenly I'm remembering I'm a mammal, like every hair yeah. follicle. Is good, <laughs> right. Um, what is that in us where you make, it's kind of like a bold declaration in a way mm -hmm. that that is just the beginning. And how do you speak into the fear that meets that of like, 
I mean, that's my, my personal journey, but it's also a journey I see with a lot of my clients is that what they start to understand about fear and doing their self-kindness work is like, they're not actually afraid of the dark. They're more afraid of how big the fucking light is. Like mm-hmm. that is where that, that those mystics of the, of old would say unconditional love burns up everything that isn't itself Mm -hmm. and oh i love that yeah i think it's so funny i just wrote this down yesterday which was like intimacy is dangerous and it's dangerous for that very same reason because true real intimacy will blow the ego out of the water and So I think there's fundamentally two things, right? Is that we're having a projected experience into the future of our own greatness based on the amount of power and sovereignty we have access to in this moment. So it's a little bit, yeah, yeah. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Yeah. We project our experience of being these huge, powerful, illuminated beings, but we're only able to imagine what that will be like from the place of the amount of power and sovereignty that we have access to right now. And I'll explain it a little more. Okay. So we imagine, oh my God, I'm going to be Oprah level big. And then we start thinking, holy shit. Oh my God. All of these people are going to be attacking me and everyone's going to have opinions and they're going to pick out what I wear and they're going to, you know, every time I post something with a typo in it and if I make a mistake and then what if I get canceled and right. And they're relating to being at that level of power from the paradigm or from a mindset of actually not yet being at that level of power. So it's like, we're terrified of that level of power because of the level of responsibility, the spotlight, all those things. Mm -hmm. But the only reason we're scared of it is because we aren't actually truly seeing ourselves as that powerfully. Because like, do you think Oprah gives a fuck? Sorry, can I cuss on this podcast? (laughs) Yes. Okay, good. Because there's there's really no other option. It just comes out. You can edit it out if you need to. Um, But like, Oprah doesn't give a fuck if somebody's in her comments like, uh, it's your, not your, you know, it's like, she's like out there channeling billion dollar brands and like, you know, interviewing Meghan Merkel. I was just watching the interview. That's why she was like top of my mind. And I'm like, damn, she's good at what she does. So the only reason we're ever afraid of our own power is because we are only viewing the shadow aspect of what will be attracted and not actually embodying and existing and feeling into like, you're going to be so powerful. You're not going to give a fuck. You're not going to care at all Mm. about any of the things that now to you seem like problems or seem like they would make you afraid or nervous. Like none of that stuff is going to make you anxious when you get there. And I think we have to remind ourselves that of Mm. like, Yes, right now where I'm at in my journey, the thought of standing in front of a crowd of 10,000 people and delivering a speech is terrifying. But like when I'm actually there doing it, by the time I get there, it won't be at all. Mm-hmm. And it's that dissonance that creates the fear. And so you know, something I have my clients do is I'm like, let's get a little microscopic for a second. Let's like scale down rather than macro. It's good to f- like stretch and feel into that and access that power. 
but like, let's just look at like having that difficult conversation with, you know, your racist uncle or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I think that's where the group, the larger group life coaching gets it right in that 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. That idea of the 50-50 keeps showing up. That's not the goal, right? The goal isn't to get rid of the 50-50 because getting rid of the 50-50 means getting rid of the human experience. And it's like, that's not what we're, we're going for, no. right? Yeah. What we're going for is growing that beautiful capacity and the willingness within us you know like i said bringing all of pete to the table to be like okay all pete's sitting here at the table we're, we're in a 50 50 moment like how about you over there like what do you what do you want to bring to this and how about you and totally and, uh, yeah uh, well and here's what's interesting right so we're talking about 50 50 right that life is 50 percent kind of positive emotion 50 percent quote unquote negative emotion And what I find so fascinating, I love that you brought this conversation because I was just having a conversation with a coachee of mine right before I got on this call. And we were talking about how shame is actually the emotion that in many ways holds us hostage from experiencing life. So the more that we resist shame, the more that we try to hide from it, the more that we, you know, try to buffer it or compensate for the, the pieces of ourselves that we have shame for, the more that shame actually controls us. Because when we can't experience the feeling of shame, when we're not willing to just be with it, then we're moving our in our lives, we're moving in a direction that is moving away from shame, as opposed to moving in the direction of our dreams, which are two very different directions. Mm. Mm. And so it's the idea of, um, desperation versus inspiration, right? Am I just desperate to get away from, you know, my own feelings of inadequacy? And so I'm like racking up achievements and accomplishments and, you know, like getting promotion after promotion and, you know, trying to get the perfect body and the perfect life and the perfect kids, or am I actually moving from a place of true inspiration in life Mm. and moving towards and into more of myself and that process actually requires us to go through the shame mm. to get to the what lies on the other side of it because fundamentally what we were distinguishing in this conversation was that shame it's like a it's like a control tool so like oftentimes as parents well I'm not a parent but what you will hear from parents is like oh you know my kid is shameless mm. or you know from a religious story oh that person's shameless And the reason this is a problem is because if someone is shameless, you can't use shame to control them. Right. And so much of how we parent and how religious authority controls people and societies is through shame. Shame is a tool for control. Mm. And so it makes us very nervous when we're not able to control other people, either people in our life or uh, people around us using shame because that's a person who's completely sovereign. Mm. That's a person who is completely like autonomous, who's completely self-possessed, who's completely able to live in true liberation and freedom is when there is no more shame or there's no fear of the shame that mm. might be trying to put on us by someone else or that we might just have internalized then you're free. 
And that's scary to a lot of people and a lot of institutions. Mm. Yeah. And we take on those, that language and the story of those people and those institutions and confuse it for our own story. And so when mm -hmm. shame does come up, we're like, totally, we shame ourselves. And I think it, you know, this ties right into your work with self-kindness. And I'd be curious to see the overlap there for you, you know, being an expert in, in this field is like, how do those two things tie together, right? The, mm -hmm. the kindness and the shame. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you the same. same oh, well, question. we can both, we can, let's, we can, we can parse it out together. Well, you know, here's, interesting. here's something I've been playing with just in the last few days. And I feel like it's been inspired by, by your, your work. And if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Alexander's Instagram, it's like, I finally pick up my phone and there's gratitude for wanting to kind of get lost a little bit on Instagram because I feel like, you know, you, you give so much, give so much. So anyway, what I feel has come up is, is this idea that I've been playing with is like, okay, if I could see something, holy shit, this is going to go all over the place. Okay. Yes. I love it. Let's so get I've been seat. playing, I've been playing with this idea of receiving um, and I'm a big fan, like my first foray into thought work was through Byron Katie, uh, in her four questions of the work. Nice. And so I totally see that for you. <laughs> right. Uh, if you're not familiar with that and you're listening to this, what part of her work is after you walk it through some, some initial questions on a thought, you turn the thought around. And a lot of times when you turn the thought around, you come to see that the opposite can actually hold more truth for you in that moment than the original. And so back up a couple, a few weeks ago, I had a podcast with a good buddy of mine. He's talking out of the Judeo-Christian tradition. He's a pastor and he was talking about inherent worthiness. Mm. Now my background in my life for 15 years was as a musician. So I think I was kind of sing-songing the word inherent and I kept on hearing in here, in mm. here. Then I have this other buddy who DMs me and his name's Alexander James. And he says, Pete, don't forget your divine inheritance. And again, so I'm divine in here. So I'm getting all these in here, in here's, in here's. And so then I started thinking about receiving and I turned my definition around, which was receiving is taking from out in and i was like what if i turn that around and true receiving is giving out from within mm. and all of a sudden it worked for me with like beauty i have the experience of beauty in me and i project it onto you as a human or i project it onto a flower but that's mine so it's like all of a sudden I was just getting really messed up with like mm. this receiving and giving, like I just, I could not separate it out. So then I was like, wait, what if I keep on moving this? And it was like the doubt, fear, like it, uncertain, like what if I took my beauty lens and I put it onto doubt and I just started to get open with, 
what is and asking myself this question for all of these things again i love how you air quoted the negative what if i was to put the lens on what's the beauty in doubt and so for me like what's the beauty of shame mm. and like that for me is starting to take this idea of what self-kindness to self-love to self-compassion from this mental construct into like this felt experience as a human called pete mm. it's a good band name a human called pete <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Well, I'll add on to that. Like, you know, I, I like that kind of rhetorical question around like, what is the beauty of shame? And the thing that popped into my mind was like, shame is the gateway to our liberation. Mm. Right? Shame shows us where we're still in shackles and invites us to begin looking for the keys. And it's like a reminder for me when I suddenly feel a moment, you know, of shame is to really remember like, oh, like this is an invitation. Mm -hmm. This is an invitation to feel it, to go through it, to not run away from it and to get to the other side. Because, um, you know, the whole idea of shame, shame is an emotion that can only exist in a paradigm of dualism that is good, bad, right, wrong. Mm. And, you know, when I talk about shame in my work for people who are familiar with Life Coaches School's model, which is basically just that your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, and your actions create your results. Um, that when we're looking at the thought that creates shame, the feeling of shame, there's only really one thought that ever creates shame. And it's there's something wrong with blank. Mm. And usually it's me right? There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my nose. There's something wrong with, you know, what I said. There's something wrong with what I did. There's something wrong with where I grew up. There's something wrong with the way I dress. And as we begin to work through our shame, we inherently have to begin to let go of that right, wrong paradigm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, sort of mandatory at a certain point, like, we just can't exist in that paradigm anymore of the right, wrong. And I think that is where true liberation comes because, you know, when we're in the right, wrong paradigm or when we're in these models that are creating the experience of shame, there's always a should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since you're familiar with Byron Katie's work, right, we know that when we should on something, right, or we say that something should have happened differently in the past, that what we're really doing is we're arguing with, with the past. Yeah, yeah. And that when you argue with the past, you only lose, you lose, but only 100% 100% of the time, time. right? So shitting is just arguing with reality. Mm. And it ends up creating so much shame and it stagnates us spiritually. And so the beautiful thing, I think, you know, taking it a, a step deeper is shame to me it's like, it's a feeling in your body you can't ignore. And it's like a siren. When I feel it, it's like mm. a siren that's like, hey, there's something to liberate here. Hey, oh, yeah. like you can't ignore this. Hey, free me, free yourself. Mm. Mm. 
can you talk about that in context too with consent? Mm. I love that that is a word that you use. Totally. Well, and here's the thing. So I talk about, there's three main concepts that right now I'm obsessed with. And like, I always have a flavor of the week, of like whatever thing I just want to talk about ad infinitum. So, so glad you asked Pete. <laughs> and right now it's all about receiving because I think that receiving is really the block to so much of what we're able to experience in life. And it's so funny because I was, I was on vacation recently and I was watching how each person that I was on vacation with was receiving the vacation, mm. how much of it they were able to receive, how much of the beauty, how much of the ease, how much of, you know, who was stressing out about the little stuff and making this experience of like being on the beach with their family, very stressful, right? Mom. And then... <laughs> <laughs> who was like totally just out there, not caring at all, doing whatever they wanted, like just soaking it up, right? That was my grandma. So it made me start thinking, okay, like it's not about actually having an experience, right? We can have money, we can have a vacation, we can have a nice car. How much of it are we able to receive? How much are we able to actually embody and experience that? And what started coming through was this idea of like, oh, interesting. The building block of, of any receiving is consent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if there's not consent to receive something, then actually in the receiving, I was thinking about this on a meta level, like then the receiving is actually non-consensual and non-consensual receiving is trauma, right? When we think about that sexually, receiving something sexually that we haven't consented to, that's trauma. Mm -hmm. And the way that I simplify trauma for people so that it's just really easy to um, think about in this context is trauma is actually anything that's too much, too soon, or too fast on your particular nervous system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's no one size fits all. Like that's a traumatic experience for you, but you know, it's not for her. Like it gets to be individualized. And so the tiniest thing can be traumatic for somebody whose nervous system just wasn't ready to receive whatever mm -hmm. that experience mm -hmm. is. And so as I was thinking about these different models, I mean, we're really going down the wormhole. You, you open the can of worms. So down the rabbit hole we go. But what I was thinking about is when we think about receiving, how do we receive? There's no way that we receive other than through our five senses, right? It's either touch, taste, smell, sight, or um, the fifth one that I forgot. I think it's, it's hearing. Yeah. It's hearing. There you go. Um, <laughs> We are always receiving through one of those and all of those are wired into our nervous system. And our nervous system is where we store trauma. So if our primary way of receiving is through a nervous system that has stored amounts of trauma in it and consent is the thing that determines whether the receiving is a positive experience or a negative experience, whether it's healing or traumatizing, then my next logical step was to assume that at a certain point, the nervous system habituates to a certain level of receiving that feels safe in order to keep it from receiving too much, too fast, too soon. Mm -hmm. And this can go for something good or something bad. Because again, right, there's no neutrality. Like, Sex in one context with consent can be beautiful and amazing and life-changing. 
in another context without consent, it can be traumatizing and grotesque and horrific. The same goes for money. I was just about to say, take this over to money for a moment. Yeah. So we think like, oh yeah, I want a million dollars, right? How cool would it be to, to win the lottery? And then you look at all of the studies that have been done on lottery winners and you see that they often end up in worse debt than when they started. Yeah. And what it is, is it's trauma. That level of receiving, even if you want something, because here's where it starts to get, here's where it starts to get trippy. You can desire something and your subconscious can also not consent to it. Mm. So you can have desire and not consent and have this inner pull and you can traumatize yourself being like, well, I just want it. I'm going to get it. And so, you know, an example of like, you know, I think of like a lottery winner or I think of like, you know, an 18 year old who gets access to their trust fund and ends up in like Ibiza railing Coke for 10 days straight, like completely destroying themselves. Mm. There's this inner consent or this it's just too much receiving on their nervous system to handle at one time. And it ends up being traumatic. It ends up traumatizing them. So what I talk about with people and in my work that I've started to bring in is like, you have to be laying the ground planks of your worthiness Mm -hmm. before you go out and actually receive and working on that deep inner consent before you receive. Otherwise what you think is going to save you, ends up tormenting you and traumatizing you. And that's where I think your work comes in and becomes Mm. so valuable because self-kindness has to be the building block. You can't force yourself to consent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I I've, I've taken so much from just what you have offered so generously, just the human being that you are in the world. I mean, you are, you're all the things that people are, saying about you and yet i'm just grateful that all of this can be uh held in a container that also allows celebration playfulness and like you said right before we got on sipping champagne at 10 in the morning just to celebrate you know it's just the beginning and i i yeah I wish I could just keep on pounding you with questions for, for hours and hours. Um, but I want people to be hear it from your lips. Where can they find out more about you? How can they, you know, participate and go down that rabbit hole and have a party with you down there? Totally. Follow the white rabbit, Neo. <laughs> Follow the white rabbit. So here's what I always say is like, buckle up, buttercup. And check in and make sure that you're ready for this trip <laughs> because following me on Instagram, I've gotten it for more than one person is like a portal into another dimension. So, you know, check in and make sure that you're ready. And then when you are, you can head over to Instagram and follow me at, at the subconscious brand. Um, you'll find all of my content. I do a lot of various kinds of content. My stories is where all of the gold is because that's mm. like 
where I can just hop on and channel whatever I'm channeling. Um, so there's a lot of like content that comes directly from my brain. There's a lot of content that comes directly from my heart. And there's a lot of content that I channel. And I don't know where I'm channeling it from, but I just know it's not me. So if you're into some intergalactic transmissions of uh, beauty, light, wisdom, and ascension, you can find those all in my stories. You can find it all in my Instagram, which is at the subconscious brand. Um, you're also more than welcome to follow me on Facebook where you can catch the dribbles and dribblings of whatever gets imported <laughs> from my Instagram onto my Facebook. But Instagram really is, I, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I do visual branding uh, for life coaches and I have a methodology of actually using branding to heal mm. trauma and to have it be a process of deep healing and identity reintegration work. Um, that also blends different ontological and subconscious modalities. So it's just a wild trip. I'm talking about aliens. Mm. I'm talking about, you know, whatever I want to on any given day, sipping champagne, having fun. So feel oh. free to follow me over on Instagram. Oh. And we didn't even get into the whole plant medicine conversation and going down that. So oh, much. man. Well, Wait, we'll, we'll just have, have to do a, it again. Do you have a podcast that's coming out? It's well, soon? okay. Look at you being psychic. So there's like... 20 episodes pre-recorded and the holdup is uh i am working on getting a podcast editor and we're working on getting things into gear and yeah i i my problem is never producing content my problem is always like how do i upload it so that people mm -hmm. can see it like and so i haven't figured out the podcast thing yet but yeah the one day it'll just like there'll be 350 episodes of my podcast uploaded ah. in one day. So <laughs> oh, you can look man. forward to that. And uh, it's called The Subconscious Coaching Podcast whenever mm -hmm. it gets uploaded. Hopefully it'll be this next week. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I love you. Mm, I love Thank you too. You. It's, um, it's a privilege to, to do the human journey with you. And uh I'm just so excited for all of us that that you're putting it out there the way that you are. So such huge gratitude to you. Mm. You're so welcome. Yes. Friends like you make the journey just oh, sublime. <laughs> wow. There you have it. I mean, I hope that you will go over and check out alexander james's instagram super fun like he said buckle up and yet if part of this conversation or any uh, aspects of this conversation inspired you today well i'm here to tell you right now for the first time all of what we were talking about is being integrated in a new program that I am releasing. It's called the New Terrain of Self-Kindness. Like Alexander was talking about, laying the building blocks, creating that foundation, doing this work is just the beginning. And this program is designed specifically for you to do that in your life. And so, Come on over and check out uh, that application, which is in the show notes for the show today. It's also over at my Instagram, which is self kindness with Pete. And I look forward to hearing from you. Reach out, tell me what you think, and we're gonna 
we're going to do this thing. Like we were talking about in this podcast, you know, once as a human, as individuals and as a human culture, once we get to that point of healing, like we, who knows what we'll create from there. All right, my friend, so grateful to you for being here. We're doing the self-kindness thing. We are laying the foundation that will change the world, the foundation that a new world culture is being built upon. I love you, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>